Welcome to the Rural Revival Podcast. I'm your host, Dana Larson. Today we're sitting down with Chris Deal from Jefferson, Iowa. Chris moved back to his hometown to help with the family business, Deal's Orchard. He's had a key role in the revitalization of Jefferson and some exciting projects happening here. And he also telecommutes as an engineer, plus a lot of other things, but I just like to call him a rural visionary because that really is a role that he plays well, which you're about to find out. Chris is sharing a lot about the strategies that have worked in Jefferson, strategies that I believe could benefit your rural community as well. So here we go with Chris Deal. All right. Well, today we're here with Chris Deal in Jefferson, Iowa, and I'm going to call you a rural visionary, even though you wear a lot of different hats. But that's how I tend to see you. And I know a lot of others see you that way, too. So, well, that's kind. Thank you. You're welcome. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, You are originally from Jefferson, Iowa, and you recently moved back here. So tell us a little bit about what it was like to grow up here and about the journey that led you back here. Well, first, thank you much for inviting me to be on the podcast. Very excited to uh, to have the opportunity to talk with you about this. Yes, uh, from here in Jefferson, grew up here and uh, left. Went to went to college. Didn't go that far away. Went over to Ames, Iowa State University, uh, and then uh, after graduating with an engineering degree there, went abroad for uh, went abroad for a year. Uh, was uh, in Kansas City for a couple years teaching in uh, some inner city schools down there, uh, and then made my way back to back to Iowa. Uh, and uh, lived in Ames, Iowa, worked in Des Moines, and then eventually was able to move back to Jefferson. Uh, it would have been two, two and a half years ago in 2016 now, uh, and uh, absolutely loved being back. That's awesome. Was that kind of your goal, to eventually find a way to get back? Always. So I had just a, a fantastic experience growing up in small town Iowa. Loved it. My family has a uh, an apple orchard. I think I, I think we'll have the opportunity to talk about that a little more. Uh, but I, I I'm I'm biased, but I think that might be the coolest childhood you could you could dream up. Yes. And so uh, married a farm girl as well. And so she and I were both very much on the same page. We wanted to raise our kids in a, a rural small town environment, and things just worked out that uh, that we were able to do that back home in Jefferson. I love it. Well, you, as I mentioned, wear a lot of hats. So tell us a little bit about, just to kind of help set the stage, all the different things that you're involved in. Well, I, uh, so uh, I'm involved with family business in Jefferson. Uh, Deals Orchard is the family business. It's an apple orchard. Uh, we are going on 102 years old now. Uh, so my parents are third generation. Uh, I have two brothers. Uh, older brother and I are looking to uh, come back and uh, keep it going for another generation. Um, and so I uh, love being uh, back here and helping with that. Uh, I still work for an engineering firm uh, in Des Moines. Uh, so the uh, the piece that allowed me to move back to Jefferson was that they've got a very progressive uh, flex work policy. And so I get to telecommute from home uh, a couple days a week, and then I uh, drive down to Des Moines uh, about an hour or so drive uh, the uh, other two or three days of the week. And so that works fantastic. Uh, it gives me this opportunity to, to raise my family here. Uh, besides that, do some uh, do some farming. Uh, married a farm girl, so we had the opportunity to get some ground. And uh, so we farm that. We help out with the family uh, and then have found uh, a few things in the community to get involved with as well. Just a few. <laughs> 
Well, we'll talk a little bit more about that later in the podcast, but let's start with talking about Deals Orchard and how you've expanded and grown over the years and just kind of kept progressing from generation to generation. Yeah, so it's uh, it's a 45-acre apple orchard, uh, which uh, in the grand scheme of, of apples is not very big. I mean, you go out to Washington State and you measure them in the thousands of acres. Uh, for Iowa, uh, it's uh, one of the biggest ones that's around the state. Uh, my uh, my parents came home. They uh, my my mom, uh, Cindy, dad, Gerald. They they came home right after college. Uh, took over from my dad's parents. And so when uh, they always like to say when they took over, uh, it was apples, uh, some. Uh, uh, some cattle, uh, and then they made some cider and sold some honey, and that was about it. Uh, and so they have uh, kudos to them because they've expanded considerably since then. Uh, now, in addition to uh, uh, raising uh, apples on the 45 acres, uh, they make uh, 35,000 gallons of cider. Uh, we have uh, Christmas trees that we do in uh, the Christmas season, uh, 10 acres of pumpkins, 10 acres of sweet corn. Uh, we do a corn maze. Uh, we've uh, jumped uh, headfirst into the agritourism world. And so have a kids play area. We've got a concessions barn on weekends and and uh, host uh, hundreds, if not thousands of people on week weekends uh, during the fall to come out to get to experience uh, what uh, a little bit of uh, what rural uh, rural Iowa is like. And so it's been it's been really fun to see that and be a part of that develop over the years. Uh, and so most recently, uh, we uh, we brought in some hard cider. Uh, we didn't bring in; we started making it. Uh, so that was my that's my older brother's uh, his project. Uh, we like to say it's our generation's contribution to the business is uh, bringing the booze in. So <laughs> very nice. Well, I love that Deals is a destination for a lot of Iowans every fall. So. It's a fun place to go. It is uh, fall weekends. They are, they are a little chaotic, but we have a lot of fun and we get to share it, uh, share it with quite a few people. Yeah, it's great. What does it mean to you to get to continue the feeling business? Uh, there is, uh, there's certainly some pride there, uh, and, uh, also some, uh, some anxiety, uh, just seeing the, the work and everything my parents have put into it. And, uh, you know, my brother and I, we, we joke, uh, but only about half joking that, man, I hope we don't screw this thing up. Uh, <laughs> we, we hope this thing's still around in another generation. Uh, but maybe our kids are going to be smarter than us. And, uh, <laughs> so there's, there's easier lifestyles that are out there. Um, but no, it's uh, it's fun to be a part of a tradition that families have. It's fun to see the same families coming coming out year after year, whether it's local or we've got more and more people coming from the uh, Ames area, the Des Moines area, which is 45 minutes to an hour, sometimes an hour and a half. Um, they'll drive up, and uh, it's just it's just enjoyable to see that and uh, be able to to bring some enjoyment to families. Yeah, that's great. Well, even though you left here for a time, you've always had a heart for this community and you've been actually highly involved in creating a vision for the future of Jefferson. So tell us a little bit about that. Well, when uh, when we came back, we uh, my wife and I, we've got three kids. And so five-year-old, three-year-old, now a nine-month-old. Uh, and uh, certainly have a vested interest in uh, in the community and the livelihood of the community. And so uh, when we came back, we were looking for different things we can get involved with. Uh, and one of them uh, was uh, was the schools and uh, what we could do with the schools there. And so uh, we uh, when we first moved back, there was a bond referendum. We've got, uh, like many rural communities, we've got some aging infrastructure for our schools. A uh, hundred-year-old middle school that has, has served very well for a hundred 
100 years, but time to be retired and to replace with something uh, with a little bit more modern, uh, accessible facility. And so uh, we uh, jumped in and helped out a little bit with a bond referendum uh, right when we came back. And unfortunately, it was uh, one that had ultimately failed and a variety of reasons for why the community had not supported it. Um, but uh, it was something that opened our eyes a little bit to the needs in the community and uh, really uh, gave us a, uh, a, an additional drive to try to figure out a way that we could do something to uh, take a step forward with schools and the facilities we've got. Uh, and so it's uh, there, there's a lengthy background, so I'll spare you like the hour version of this uh, <laughs> and and uh, give you the cliff notes. Um, but was uh, part of a, a group of people that had been going around the state and seeing what different schools were doing, what different uh, uh, opportunities there were, and got to visit uh, what was called a career academy in a different community over in uh, Pella, Iowa, so other side of the state. And uh, I remember was there and spent a morning there and got to uh, got to uh, hear the administration at Pella, the superintendent, talking about the opportunities their students had there. Uh, and it's a, uh, a facility that's uh, that was built by Pella Schools. Uh, it's for their high school students, but it's operated in conjunction with uh, local community college and with the local industry. And so students uh, can walk out of the Pella High School and 20 feet later walk into the Pella Career Academy. And uh, at the Career Academy, they can take uh, classes that are specifically focused on skills development, uh, skilled workforce development. And so those align with what the local industry needs. So Pella has a, a, a wonderful uh, base of industry, uh, including uh, a, a significant need for welding, uh, among other things. And so kids are able to go there and uh, take welding classes that are taught by people from local industry. So not only do they learn the skills, but they learn the specific skills for the industry there. And uh, there's similar uh, similar programs for hospitality, for catering. And so it, it gives them the skills and more importantly, it gives them the skills that aligns with the local workforce and workforce needs. And I remember walking out of that and saying, well, that's, that's awesome, kudos. Uh, they had said that a, a student in Bella could graduate from high school that same day, have a two-year degree um, that they walk out, of, uh, walk out of school with and go right into a, a fantastic job. And so tipped my hat to them and then said, well, why, why can't we, why shouldn't we do something like that in Jefferson and, and Greene County? Uh, and so that was the uh, kind of the question that really uh, uh, started this whole process, uh, process moving to uh, where we eventually ended up passing a school bond that brought in uh, our own career academy. Uh, we was going to bring uh, eight school districts together into Jefferson, sending their students there, and then working with several industry uh, players in the area to give them skilled workforce uh, needs or to address their skilled workforce needs that they have. That's amazing. Talk a little bit about why you think it's so important that we start with the high schoolers in our rural communities. Um, it's uh, we have we have incredible talent in our rural communities. Uh, I think that's something that that does not receive the the credit that it's due. We have some some people who, who grow up and have incredible work ethics, uh, in addition to just fantastic skills. And so the challenge that uh, oftentimes happen is they these students don't see an opportunity um, for them to come back home to or to stay in the community um, to uh, to serve. And so starting in high school and really starting even before high school and identifying that there are these jobs here and there there are jobs in rural Iowa and rural America um, and helping students to see what what that looks like uh, creates a, a opportunity for them and an understanding of an opportunity for them uh, that, that we don't often convey very well. Yeah, I love 
just that whole concept and it's kind of helping a high schooler see the vision for staying there and the value that their small town already has. And I, I'm excited to see more of a shift in that direction. So it's, it's exciting. And, and we look at it, it's going to work great for, for kids who maybe they just, they aren't going to go to college. Um, and let's, let's find a way that we can get them uh, the skills they need so they can roll right into a, a great paying job and something that they can, that can be a career for them. But it, it also works on the other side. And, and if we have people who are going to a four-year college, well, they get to try a variety of different things. They can experiment here, and maybe that helps them change a major one less time or helps them have a better idea of what they want to do when they go off to college. Uh, I When I left at age 18, I, I had no idea what I wanted to do. Heck, I still don't know what I want to do, right? <laughs> uh, but I, I uh, to an extent, I lucked out and ended up in a great engineering program and, and found something that really worked well for me. And not everybody's that lucky. And so giving giving kids the opportunity to have a few more experiences and, and know just that much more before they, they take that next step, I think is just a, a critical piece as we move forward. Absolutely. Well, it's going to be fun to watch that and see how that evolves as well. One thing I want you to talk a little bit about is Jefferson is part of the Main Street program. And I know like before I got really heavily involved in this, I didn't fully understand even what that meant or the opportunities that that brought for a town. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. And uh, Jefferson joined the Main Street program. I, I believe it was 2012. Um, we can we can double check on that on okay. that date. Um, but uh, Jefferson's been a part of the Main Street program for several years, and it has been a, a fantastic program in that it's brought a little structure uh, and uh, certainly opened the door to opportunities. Uh, we have a incredibly active board and an incredibly active uh, executive director. Uh, Peg Rainey is her name, and she is she is fantastic. And so she retired school teacher, uh, and so brings a, a wonderful attitude to the table, a wonderful work ethic, uh, and has this this unique ability to bring people together. Uh, and so under uh, under the leadership of uh, uh, the active board and Peg and the team, uh, they have really used the structure of Main Street as a uh, a way to move the entire community forward and to bring a, a, a incredible number of people to the table to help. That's great. And once you get accepted into the Main Street program, it opens up the door for a lot of grants and other resources to help the revitalization of Main Street, right? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I've heard uh, Peg and some of the board members, I'm, I'm not a member of the board. I, I uh, find uh, whatever ways I can to help out with the projects, but I've, I've uh, got to watch and see how this has grown in the community. Uh, and I've heard them describe that the first few years, you, know, you kind of get a better feel for how the program works. And once you, once you get established, that can help you really to take that next step and to start uh, participating in some of these wonderful programs. Uh, I think the one that, that certainly is the most visible right now in Jefferson is the uh, the CDBG, the Community Development Block Grant, I believe. Uh, and they use that to do a, a, a significant facade rehabilitation around our city square. And so 13 different storefronts uh, were restored to a uh, historical, historically accurate context. Uh, and it just looks incredible. Uh, it does. It, yeah, you've walked it. We've walked it together, and it, it just gives it gives a feeling of vibrancy that hasn't been there 
really for years, if not decades. And, and uh, I'm going to steal from Peg. She says this, but she says your your main street or your your downtown in a small town is is like your living room at home, right? And so when people walk into it, that says a lot about what you what what priorities you have as a community, what you what you really think of yourself as a community. And so when you can present that in such a a, a vibrant manner, it's, it creates the right feeling. Absolutely. And I think it's important to note because I am so, so impressed with everything going on here, but it didn't just happen overnight. You know, this has been years in the making. So take us through that process a little bit. And I know a lot of that happened too when you weren't even living there full time, but you know, where did that start? And then how did, you know, it's so overwhelming. Like how do you determine What's the next priority to get you to where it's at today? I think that's one of the biggest pieces when when I've had the chance to go and speak about some of the things that Jefferson's doing or, or any of the the people who are involved in this is to convey that that it hasn't been an overnight thing. This is this has been a very it's a long progression with with several different pieces to it. Um, I, I've had this conversation with with others here in town and and trying to figure out kind of what was that what was that progression or what did it look like uh, and and we go back and, and Jefferson like like a, a rural America really there was a point where it was thriving and then all of a sudden you started to have that that change in trend and so whether that was when we had the big box stores the WalMarts and things like that starting to appear and and retail starting to especially rural retail starting to take a step back um, there's I think a variety of trends that started to move things in the wrong direction uh, and and Jefferson um, for whatever reason uh, had people who were willing to uh, identify the identify some of the challenges and then start to think about what what are things that we could do to pen, potentially uh, reverse that trend uh, and we certainly we're, we're like a lot of communities uh, we are smaller than we were 10 years ago 20 years ago uh, we've had people move away we've lost businesses we've we've uh, certainly seen challenges um, but through that we've had a couple uh, big big wins uh, that have helped reverse that trend and put us at a point now where we think that we are on the right trajectory and we're very excited about where we're going. I love it. And so where did they start? They, uh, I think when we look at what are some of the big things that happened, um, we, uh, one, we have a unique manufacturing base in Greene County. And so Jefferson's a part of Greene County. Jefferson's 4,200 people. Greene County, uh, about 9,000 people. Uh, West Central Iowa and uh, certainly an ag community at its core. Uh, but we also have this, this really unique manufacturing base. Uh, we've got manufacturers in the, uh, in the county that send products all over the world. And it's a really unique mix of products. Uh, if you watch the Olympics, uh, there's a good chance that the balance beam that you see on the Olympics was made in Jefferson, Iowa. So uh, cool. <laughs> it's an awesome facility. It's an awesome story. Uh, there is uh, weightlifting equipment that's in almost all the NCAA facilities uh, and NFL football stadium there the teams use weightlifting equipment that's that's manufactured in Jefferson uh, the uh, 48 row planters uh, John Deere planters are made uh, in Peyton Iowa about uh, 15 miles north of north of Jefferson uh, there is a another facility uh, that's uh, right beside that that makes custom uh, big custom equipment for the steel industry and for the uh, the hog industry and manure applicators uh, garbage trucks are sent all over the world from Scranton Iowa 
Iowa. We've got geothermal equipment that's used throughout the country. Like it's it's this really unique mix of manufacturing, but the one consistent piece is that they're all started locally. And so there's this uh, there's a, a an amount of rural entrepreneurship that we have that's at our core, and then an ability to keep those people in the community. And so uh, finding ways to keep those manufacturers there, finding ways to keep that kind of base of jobs has been has been important and has not been easy. And then we've paired that uh, with uh, some of the other uh, other pieces. It sounds kind of uh, it sounds small, uh, but we had a, a second grocery store come to town. Right. Anyone from Iowa knows Hy-Vee and we had a Hy-Vee come to town and people love Hy-Vee. Right. And so uh, we had that. We had a uh, we did a, a major redo to a overpass so we could have access across both sides of town. Uh, we had a casino. Uh, we are selected as a community for a casino, uh, one of the only rural casinos in the state. Uh, and that in and of itself was a piece where the community came together uh, and uh, really made a statement about how interested the community was in that. And the piece that uh, that provides is that the, uh, the casino uh, shares revenue with the community. It shares 5% of its revenue with Greene County and with the surrounding counties. Wow. And that was a part of the application to the state uh, gaming commission when uh, when the opportunity presented itself. And really what we think uh, gave us the opportunity uh, to have that facility. Now, uh, no matter what you uh, what you think of casinos, um, having that, having uh, that type of a, a revenue for nonprofits in the community that does provide some additional opportunity. And so there's a, there's a combination of all of these things that have helped uh, put us in a, a, uh, a position that gives us this capability that, uh, to take that next big step. Well, that is super interesting. And kind of going back to the town square, I know another key person in there's been a lot of key people, right? Absolutely, but yes. um, one, in, one of the key people that I know is Nick Sorensen. And he works for the city. And he mentioned when we were doing that tour that one of the things that has been a huge help is the ability to be able to purchase some of these buildings on the square that, um, you know, aren't in a great state anymore for a dollar. Is that right? Am I remembering that right? Yeah, I I believe he got one of them for a dollar. I know he got one of them for fifty dollars. Wow. So how does that happen? So we, we are, we're lucky to have a active city through all of this. And so uh, the, a lot of what we've done has been because of these public-private partnerships. Uh, so this is a great example of one of those. Uh, the city, uh, we, we, like many small communities, have buildings around our square that, that aren't being used and that are slowly degrading, degrading away. Um, but the city recognizes that, has recognized it. And this is something that's happened uh, primarily in the last five years or so. Um, but they've made the uh, the decision to be proactive, and so if they see a building that's getting to the point where it is uh, nearing uh, a point of no return, they will reach out to the uh, reach out to the owner and say, "Hey, your building is becoming a public uh, public danger, and we either need you to put money into it, or if you uh, if you don't uh, don't have an interest in doing that, it's not economically feasible for you. Uh, you can turn it over to the city or sell it to the city for for whatever the price might be." And so they've done that, and they've done that a handful of times. And then once they take on the buildings, they will put money into the buildings to stabilize them. And so in essence, what that does is it creates a, it takes a building that really is not economically feasible for someone to come in and, and to, um, to improve. 
and instead gets it to a point where someone can possibly come in, improve it, and, and make it a asset again to the community. Um, and the city then turns it over to that individual. They uh, include, um, they've used forgivable loans as one method of recouping, in essence, their investment in the building, and they tie the loan to someone uh, continuing to own, operate, use the facility for 10 years or 15 years. And so make sure that it's someone who's there and there for the right reason. Uh, and they've had incredible success doing that. Uh, and it's something I, I kudos to the city, city council for a willingness to do it. Um, but because of that, they've been able to maintain a fantastic city square. Uh, they have all four corners of our city square intact, which to me uh, never was, didn't really jump out as unique. But as I've, I've heard more and seen more across the state, across the country that no, that is pretty special that we still have that much of our city square intact uh, and now uh, that much more historically accurate too. Yeah, it's beautiful. And uh, I just love to hear that's possible because I think a lot of people don't know that. So I think that's a great word for a lot of our listeners. Jefferson has been getting a lot of press lately, not just for all of this great stuff going on, but there is a new project in town that you initiated called The Forge. So I want you to share about that and uh, all the awesome things going on with that. Well, uh, like uh, like everything else, this has been uh, far beyond just me. There is a, a incredible group of people that's helped make all of this happen. Um, the uh, the backstory to this, so the Forge uh, is a software development company, uh, and so they have. Uh, offices uh, all over the country. Um, Pillar Technology is the company's name. Um, their offices they call The Forge. Uh, and so they are based in Columbus, Ohio, also have offices in Ann Arbor, uh, in Palo Alto, in Des Moines, and now they're going to op open one in Jefferson, right? Which which makes perfect sense compared to these other communities. <laughs> um, but the uh, the opportunity to uh, have this, uh, this company come into town uh, goes back to that, uh, what we were doing with our schools. Uh, and so we, we didn't set out with the, uh, the, the brilliant idea of, of bringing software development to, uh, to West Central Iowa. Uh, it was more <laughs> of an opportunity that, that, that came up and we said, well, well heck yes, we're going to jump at this opportunity. Um, we, uh, with the schools project, we had the idea of, of bringing a career academy to our community. Uh, and so we loved the idea of, of bringing skilled workforce and skilled workforce training uh, to our schools. And so we were able to pair with Iowa Central Community College uh, and, and uh, uh, bring in this career academy or or really bring this idea to the community about uh, having a career academy. Uh, this was part of a school bond referendum. It was the third attempt, and so I'd mentioned that I had moved back just before the second attempt. Uh, it had failed. It got 54% approval, but school bonds need 60%, uh, so we were just shy. Uh, that one was asking the community to support the uh, project at about $20 million. I think it was uh, 21 or 22. Um, and we, uh, after that one did not fail, we stepped back and said, okay, what, why, why did it not, why did it not pass? What were the challenges? And this, this is something that happens all over Iowa, all over America is that it takes a while to, to do a significant project. $20 million is a lot for a community of, of 4,200, a county of 9,000. Um, and so, uh, asked around and, and really tried to understand what were the challenges before. Um, for us, uh, 
part of the original idea was that we were going to have a new gym. We were going to take our existing middle school. We were going to de decommission that, take our existing high school, uh, which was built in the late 60s, and add on to that and create this middle school, high school combination 512 facility. And so as a part of that, adding a new high school uh, or adding a, uh, a significant amount to that school, we we're going to add a gym as well. Um, well, we heard from the community uh, that they, uh, there was concern with using public dollars for athletics. And so uh, understood that that was a concern from some people. Uh, others, they didn't have an issue with it, but it was enough of a, a concern that that became a, a piece we had to deal with. Um, and then also understood that there we had just consolidated schools, uh, another piece that, that small towns go through frequently now. Yes. And so uh, part of it was closing another school and bringing kids over. And so there was still some, there's still some concern with that consolidation. Anytime you consolidate, that's a challenging process. I understand that entirely. And so we stepped back and said, okay, we have this idea for a career academy. We think this makes a lot of sense for our community, aligns very well with the manufacturing base that we have. We think there's a need in agriculture and how technology is coming into agriculture and for, for training in that realm. Uh, there's, there's always a need in healthcare, rural healthcare. Uh, we think there's a, we knew that there was a need in hospitality and catering. And so we had this, this blend of skilled workforce uh, training that we wanted to provide. And so we needed to figure out how could we take the idea of basically decommissioning this, this old building uh, and uh, creating a, a new facility for uh, three to four grades and then add a career academy to it. Career academies cost anywhere from three to five million dollars. We didn't think that coming back and saying, hey, we want to do this and we want to add five more million dollars to it was going to be something that the uh, community uh, would uh, be uh, very open to. And so we had to step back and say, all right, what other sources of funding do we have? What else can we do to make this make this a little bit uh, more palatable for the voters who ultimately need to approve it to, uh, to make this happen? And so... That's where uh, we had approached early on. Uh, we have a organization, a, a nonprofit organization that holds the license for our local casino. And so they're the ones that also distribute the 5% of, of the revenue annually um, to, uh, to the community that comes from that casino. 4.1 stays in Greene County and 0.9 gets split between the, uh, the adjacent counties. And so we had, we had uh, approached them and uh, said, hey, we've got this, this uh, challenge or this opportunity. We know that the gym was a challenging piece before. Is there any way that we can use this unique financing source and, and in essence, offset the cost of the gym and, and take that away from a public financing perspective and find that alternative financing? And it just it happened that that organization, they had done wonderful things. I think it was the third or fourth year of distributions, um, but they were looking for a flagship project. And so nail in the head, they Perfect. said, absolutely, we want to be a part of this. And if that's going to help make this work, yeah, we're on board. And so they allocated $4.5 million um, and worked with local banks. It, it, by no means was it that easy. They didn't have that much that much sitting <laughs> around by any means. Uh, and so it took some additional work with local banks that were very involved to come up with a way to get that money up front for construction, um, but found a way to get $4.5 million toward the project. And so that covered the cost of a gym, and it went towards an auditorium. And, and starting to bring an auditorium into the mix. 
Um, the other piece that we uh, we uh, we decided when we started looking at this this project was, um, do we want to add on to our existing uh, facility, our existing school, or do we step back and, and look at this from a, a broader perspective? And so Pella, the 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 community that had served as, as something of an example of how this could be done, they had a standalone high school, and then right beside it was the Career Academy, and created this this wonderful symbiosis between the two or the two um, facilities. We said, well, if we're going to be, in essence, building a new building, why not do the same thing and locate this somewhere that it can be very visible, it can make a very strong statement about how important education is in our community. Uh, and so uh, Step Back said, yeah, let's, let's just do a new, entirely new high school and put an entirely new career academy right next to it. And so found, uh, lucked out, found the perfect location right uh, by the two main highways that run through town. So we could locate it somewhere that anyone who drives through Jefferson, uh, most people who drive through Greene County, they're going to see this facility. Um, we got the local community college. Uh, they were they were uh, excited to be a part of it as well. Uh, and so uh, and we had there is certainly some challenges there, too, just with how uh, Iowa works and community college boundaries. And so we were right on the boundary with another community college. And so it required uh, working through that and figuring out how can we make sure that the community colleges aren't aren't creating this turf war. Right. <laughs> uh, and so worked with our community college, worked with the neighboring one. And ultimately, uh, again, kudos to them because they realized that this is the right thing to do for students, for the community and and got them on board with it and so uh, came forward with ultimately this idea of a career academy and regional center we needed a, a a critical mass of students for it to work and so that's more students than we have in Jefferson and Greene County and so uh, we looked to any neighboring dis any neighboring districts within a 30 mile radius our superintendent reached out to theirs and said hey would you be interested in this facility if we offered these types of training programs and uh, across the board they said well yeah, we're interested. Yeah. If these are opportunities our kids can't get at our school, we want to provide the right opportunities for our students. Uh, and so it all came together really well. Um, we ended up, uh, through all of it, we realized that we needed some additional financing. Uh, that often happens. Uh, and so <laughs> the uh, final piece to the puzzle was our county and our county supervisors. And so the other revenue uh, source for this uh, was that we have wind turbines that are being put up in, uh, in Greene County. We had uh, 40 of them as of today that are operational, another 80 that are being put up. Uh, and so those wind turbines create a, uh, a fairly considerable amount of taxable income for the county. Uh, and so one thing that some other communities in the state have done is they've created a TIF district using those wind turbines and using some of the revenue created from those to create economic or to uh, go towards economic programs. And so uh, we worked with the county supervisors, uh, worked with a lot of lawyers, uh, and figured out a way to structure that. And ultimately, they put $5 million toward the project. And that $5 million was earmarked directly toward the Career Academy, because that is the economic development piece that we're really bringing to the table. And so all of a sudden, we had a project that became a $35 million project. And we were able to do it, and we were still asking, in essence, the same amount of our taxpayers. So we had 20 from them. We had... Five million from the county, four and a half million from our Grow Green County uh, organization, the casino funding, and then the schools had an additional four and a half million um, with a couple of the other financing buckets that that schools in uh, in Iowa have. 
And so uh, we had a project, the previous project had been about $22 million. We had a $35 million project, but we're asking the same amount from our taxpayers. Uh, put it up for a vote, and we uh, were able to pass the uh, pass the bond referendum April third, twenty eighteen. Big day for the uh, big day for the community, uh, and it passed with sixty eight percent support. Uh, and so, and it really became a referendum on economic development uh, and the opportunities for our for our students. And wow. so, using that as the driver for it really changed the conversation. And that's the piece that opened up some of these other opportunities. So I, I, I told you it was, it's a long backstory, right? Um, <laughs> but so, very fascinating, really. So how does that tie into the Forge, right? I haven't, yeah. I haven't mentioned the Forge at all yet. Uh, the way the Forge ties into that, uh, when we were very early in this process, we'd actually just approached the community college uh, with the idea of this career academy. Uh, I connected with uh, with Link Kroger, with uh, with the Forge, with Pillar Technology. Link and I have uh, uh, we go back because my day job is an engineer. I did the design, the mechanical electrical design for the office where he's at. And Funny how that all comes yeah, full it, circle, small right? Small world, yeah. small world. Yeah, it's not it's not uh, what you know, it's who you know kind yes, of thing, right? Definitely. And so he, uh, a wonderful thing that the Forge does is they open their office for nonprofits to use for events. And they just, they, they uh, rent it for free to these uh, nonprofit events. And so I was, I was at the Forge, was helping coordinate a, an event and uh, sat down with Link at the end of it over a hard cider. And uh, we were talking about just uh, how things were progressing. I think that was uh, about a year after they'd finished their construction of the project. And they were—they had just taken off. They'd filled up the office already. They were expanding and and uh, really doing just incredible things already. And I remember I asked him. I said, "Well, well, Link, what what's next? Where where are you going to go? Op- are you opening in Des Moines again, or somewhere else in the country?" And and he said, "Well, you know, I think the next place we're going to go is rural Iowa." And I had just moved back to Jefferson. I'm like, well, tell me more, Link. I'm very interested in learning about that. And uh, he uh, he explained this vision that he had for uh, looking at uh, software development or computer science and instead treating it like a, a four-year degreed uh, type of a, a career, saying, well, this is something that we can treat really as a skilled, uh, skilled workforce and probably a two-year degree, if that, and teach these skills that we need in a far more... Um, uh, structured and abbreviated method. And he said that he had this idea, he wanted to try it in rural Iowa. Um, and that's driven largely by his background. He grew up in rural Iowa and then he had to move away because that was the only way he could get involved in the computer science world. They, the jobs just weren't here. Uh, and so he wants to, or wanted to, uh, find a community where he could create a partnership with a K-12 school and with a community college. And I remember I said, well, what about, what about Jefferson, Iowa? And he said, where's that? <laughs> and so I uh, pulled up my phone. I said, well, here's, here's where it is. And he wanted to know a little bit more about it. And one of his first questions was, do you have a community college? I said, well, not yet, but let me tell you about this idea we have and this conversation we just had with uh, our community college, Iowa Central Community College. And not only that, but we think that we're going to create a regional academy and bring all of these high school students together in this one location. Uh, and so it, it worked out uh, that aligned exactly with what he was looking for. And he um, very soon after that came out to Jefferson. We walked him around the community, very similar to the uh, the walk that, that uh, we made with you. Yes. Uh, and 
that's where a lot of the work that had already gone into the community really came through. And so we were just finishing the facade rehabilitation. And so he saw uh, construction all over our downtown. He saw things happening. We talked about uh, the businesses uh, businesses that had come to town. We talked about the different things that were going on, about young people who had moved back. And so he saw that not only was it a community that provided the partners he was looking for, but it was a community that had the right attitude that he was looking for as well. Absolutely. And I think... I love that you had a vision for something that could be possible, even without knowing exactly what that might be. And because you went ahead with it, it opened the door to this for this opportunity to come in. A, a big piece is that there's no, there's no script out there for how to do uh, rural development, economic development. Um, but there are certain pieces that you need to get right. Uh, and so education is a critical one. If you don't, if you don't have schools, if you don't have that as a, a base, um, that's something someone's going to want to move back to, it's going to be, it's going to be challenging. And so our focus was really on schools. Um, but then we, uh, we, we were, uh, lucky, I guess is the word I'll use, that we didn't have the blinders on uh, in a manner that that made us miss these other opportunities as they presented themselves. Uh, and so uh, we saw something, we jumped at it, and it's, it's really led us down an exciting path. Yeah, it really is providing an awesome opportunity for the next generation of Jefferson and Greene County and beyond. And I know I just love, again, that there's this dedicated group of people in Jefferson who have a vision, and that's so awesome. But in addition to the Forge, there's other stuff going on, too. So talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so we have been very proactive in trying to create uh, an overall package um, for people looking at looking at our community or or just looking at rural Iowa, rural America. Uh, and so we, we have the... Uh, it sounds unique, but I think this happens more often than we realize. But we are, uh, we have too many jobs, not enough people. And so, something I think it's 30% of the workforce in Greene County comes in from outside of our community. Uh, and so we've gotten jobs and we've got, we've got good jobs. Um, and so now we need to create the package that's going to make people want to, want to come back. And instead of commuting to our community, l- live in our community. Uh, and so we, uh, we engaged uh, a, very active, uh, I'll call him a local visionary. Uh, Zach Mannheimer is the uh, the individual's name, and so he uh, is. Uh, we were the first community he worked with to do a, a process that he called creative placemaking, and so figuring out uh, what it is that's going to uh, create the package that people are going to want to move back to. Uh, he very much believes, and, and I agree, that we're at a point where people no longer are going to choose where they live based on the jobs, uh, because you can, I, I can work from home and, and uh, work on a job that's anywhere in the country, anywhere in the world right now. Uh, instead, it's going to be these amenities and the community that really is going to drive people's decisions. And so how can we distinguish ourselves based on that? We've got the jobs. Now, how do we get the people to come out? And so he uh, led a process, a very collaborative process, uh, where we looked at what were the pieces that really would set Jefferson and Greene County apart. Um, And so the first two items, uh, number one, number two on the list, uh, were the schools. And so we started this process at the very uh, 
very beginning of the schools project. And so recognition that that's the, that's the priority right now. And then number two was, was housing. And how do we address the challenge of housing in, uh, in rural America? Uh, housing is just kind of stuck right now yeah. and, and I, I'm, I'm sure you've you've talked about this and, and looked into this but uh, we need to create something that allows that that housing market to start moving it's tough to find a house in rural America for a young family like a starter house uh, and so and and it's challenging for developers to come in and build in rural America uh, because there is a appraisal gap there's no comparables, right? For when uh, when uh, they want to come and they do a pro forma and try to figure out if I build, what can I sell it for? Well, there, there's nothing to compare it against. And so all of a sudden you don't create a uh, an economically viable project. And so that gap has been a challenge and, and our community is trying to come up with, and communities all over Iowa, all over the country are trying to come up with different ways to uh, address this. And so we've got a couple of ideas that we're gonna be rolling out here very soon. Uh, we're excited about to get the housing piece moving. Um, housing is not the only thing, though. Uh, we also need to make sure that we have uh, activities, things for families to do, for young kids to do. And so uh, with this Vision 2020 process that they called it, looking a, a few years into the future and really 2020 and beyond, uh, we looked at things like uh, daycare amenities. How can we, uh, how can we provide uh, options for, for two working parents? Uh, we looked at things like a, uh, we call it, uh, it's a combination of things, we call it the three block project um, now, but that's, it includes uh, new parks, it includes a aquatic facility, uh, it includes the, uh, the daycare, and it includes some additional housing. And it's this combination of things that really would be a draw for young families, a draw for people who, who want to have um, uh, some of the, the basic amenities uh, right there for them. Uh, new brewery, new uh, restaurants, things like that. And so uh, all of that is ongoing and we're very excited about some of these next projects that are coming down. We've got people looking at the brewery and, and coming up with the uh, the plans right now for that. The housing pieces in the, uh, in the works, the three block project is moving forward. So all of these things are really starting to come together and uh, it's exciting to know that where we are right now is more of a beginning than an end. Yeah, and I love how you're using existing resources. So a lot of these things are coming into old buildings. And that middle school building that you mentioned earlier, that is actually being now repurposed. And what I also love is that you knew that was coming down the pike. So you planned ahead and you're like, okay, what can this be in its next life? And... There's there's so much history in these buildings and yeah. and you Walker I remember we had uh, we had this this wonderful event where we had some uh, some people from the Silicon Valley came out I say, I say people some some VIPs from the Silicon Valley it came out it was amazing <laughs> yeah, and uh, and so we did a tour of where the Forge was going it's a historic building uh, that uh, that we're rehabbing downtown and and they were walking through and I was explaining well this this has been vacant for a couple decades and they just their jaws dropped and they're like this and it's it's a great building structurally sound all these great things it just it hasn't had an occupant and and those buildings are all over the place uh, our middle school is the same way it, it, it there's no elevator in it there's all these challenges it's too small of a classroom for education today right but as a, a uh, apartment um, as a living facility, Oh, it'd be fantastic yeah. and it's got character it's got it's it's structurally sound it's it, it tells a story like it's it's wonderful and so we can't 
lose these these resources because if we come back and, and build something in its place it's they they don't build them like they used to right there's the cliche Absolutely. goodness it's true i mean it's just uh, there's so much opportunity for these structures yeah and i just love that you're you're thinking into the future and about new possibilities and i think that's something we can all learn from so what advice would you have for someone who has a dream and a vision for something similar in their small town uh do it is the the first piece. I, I just take that first step. Um, there there's a lot that goes into it, uh, but a big piece of it is just starting to get things moving. Um, we I, I I believe a big piece of us uh, landing the forage and that project was because we had a generation uh, before before me before a lot of these other individuals uh, working on this that that started the ball rolling. Um, and that gave us that that momentum that when we had people visit the community, they said, well, wow, this is great. Um, so it's it's starting to have some of those small wins, get some get some art up in the community, get some uh, activities going, tell the story. I mean, all of those little things start to add up to create momentum and that momentum starts to add up. And all of a sudden you, you find these opportunities that wouldn't have been possible otherwise. Um, creating a, a collective vision is is critical uh too often uh there's competition in in communities for for the resources that are there and so working together and having that big vision of where the community is going if you can get everybody moving in the same direction the uh, the possibilities are incredible and then uh, find ways for people to get involved in different ways. We all have different talents, right? And so there's people who are the uh, there's people who are the visionaries who have these who are willing to dream and, and think outside of the box. And there's people who will get their hands dirty and jump right into it. And there's everyone in between. And so finding ways to get different people involved and be passionate about different things and, and to be active. Uh, really creates it really really goes toward that collective vision that collective ownership of the process yeah and as I have been in Jefferson for a few different things I just see how that rubs off on the community and people are excited it's awesome it's fun huh yeah well as if you don't have enough on your plane already (laughs) (laughs) what's next for you Chris and uh yeah personally work-wise uh, we are so we're uh, we're moving into the construction uh, part of the forge build out, and so uh, very excited. There's it's a historic tax credit project. There's a lot that goes into uh, bringing all that together, and so we are nearing the end of a lot of the paperwork phase, and now we're going to start moving with the construction phase, which is which is going to be so exciting to start to see what what we've dreamed and we've created renderings and all of this, but to see it really start to come together, uh, and so that's going to be the next six months or so uh and uh will be very exciting to see that come together and then to to see uh that turn into jobs and employment and and to really start to move uh, on what we've been talking about for the last year or so uh, other than that, we have we've got a lot of fun things going on with the uh, with the apple orchard with the family business. Uh, it is January. January is wonderful. We've we've survived another season of the fall, <laughs> another Christmas tree season, and so getting ready uh, for uh, uh, another year ahead. Finding or trying to think about some fun things that we might do out there. Uh, new events. Uh, we started doing 
ciders at sunset this last year and so nice. brought in uh, brought in music uh, had a community came out and had a lot of fun with those events and so we are in the dreaming phase right now of what do we want to do for this next year with that uh, and also the the catching up on everything we should have been doing this fall <laughs> but we're too busy to get done well, that sounds great. How do we follow you and keep up with all of this fun stuff you have going on? Well, I I will uh, I will be the first to uh, admit that I am horrible at social media, <laughs> uh, and so I, I do have at least a Facebook account, but I never post to it. Um, but luckily, we have others uh, who are far better at it than I am. Uh, the Orchard has a very active Facebook account, and we. Uh, Although we're kind of hibernating now with the off season, but if you uh, uh, follow Deals Orchard or even go to the website dealsorchard.com, you can uh, learn more about what we're doing with the orchard. Uh, and then in the community, uh, our Jefferson Main Street has a very active social media presence, uh, and so they're providing updates with all the great things that it's uh, that's going on in Jefferson. Uh, and they often link to a lot of the other organizations. The school district is active in social media, and so they give updates there as well. Uh, we will. Uh, break ground this spring on the new high school, the new career academy. And so fall of 2020 is when that's slated to be open. That's the same time when our middle school, our historic middle school will open up and hopefully that project will start. Uh, and uh, several others in the meantime as well. So uh, it's uh, it's going to be a busy next few months, few years, uh, but that's that's what we want and that's what we're excited about. Absolutely. And I'll link to all those in the show notes so everybody can go check those out. But you can you can save the link to my personal one. That, that <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, Chris, thank you so much for being on the podcast. This information I just know is going to help a lot of people. So thank you very much. Well, it's it's been a privilege. It's been fun. Thank you very much. Wow. Well, there is no way not to get excited about what's happening in Jefferson. Like Chris said, when you get everybody moving in the same direction, the possibilities are incredible. I've told Chris this several times, but I really do hope somebody writes a book about what's happening in Jefferson because I think so many rural communities can learn from their example. So maybe that's an idea for somebody listening out there. Well, be sure to check out the show notes for links to everything Chris mentioned, and I'll be sure to keep you updated through our social media pages as these projects roll out in Jefferson. Huge thanks to Chris for being on the podcast and for all the great information he shared. And thanks to you for tuning in. We'll be back next week. Have a great day, everybody.